right, well, good morning, church. Glad to be with you guys. Thanks for coming this morning. If I haven't met you, I see a few new faces. My name's Mitchell, and I'm the lead pastor here, and just so glad you guys decided to come. Come say hi, introduce yourself at the Connect booth right after service. We'd love to greet you, and thank you for coming. But I'm, I'm pumped for this morning. We are starting a new series. You guys ready for a new series today? You're just, you came on the right Sunday. We're kicking off a four-week series that we're titling Healthy. Everybody say Healthy. And what we're going to do is take the next few weeks, and we're going to talk about different stages of life and stages of relationships and share kind of some biblical insight on how do we walk those seasons out in a healthy way. Now, why are we going to do this series? So obviously, we all want to be healthy, right? Nod your head if you're like, yeah, I want to be a healthy person individually. I want to have healthy relationships. Come on. And that could be personally. emotionally, mentally, but I think for sure, relationally, we want to have healthy relationships, but the reality is we all need some help and some reminders sometimes on how to live out life in a healthy and fruitful way, and so over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about healthy singleness, that's what I'm talking about this morning, then we're going to talk about next week, healthy marriage, week after that, healthy parenting, then we're going to wrap it up August 1st with healthy family, I have a guest speaker coming in town named Don Manning. He's going to be in the house. His wife is here. What's up, Suzanne? Uh, so he's the dad of Madeline Jones and Mackenzie Manning. All you guys know them. But they're going to, he's going to come and share about healthy family and really inspire us and equip us on how do we do this really, really well. And they've been uh, investing in healthy family. They have a healthy family themselves. So I'm excited to be able to hear from him on August 1st. But um, one of the things that I want you guys to uh, notice here uh, before I jump into it, Between singleness and marriage, I just want you to understand, particularly singles, I understand there's a gap between those two stages. So to help you and to serve you and to bless you, this Tuesday night, two days from today, we're going to do our very first ever Antioch Singles Night. It's true. Now, what this is not is a singles mingling, trying to hook up. That's not what this is. Okay? I am not for those settings. Um, but what it is, is it's going to be an opportunity to come and learn what is, how do you create a healthy dating culture? How do you learn how to pursue and date, be engaged in a healthy environment? And fortunately, there's not much teaching on how to do that well, but the Bible does have some things to say about how to do that in a healthy way where it's, it bears good fruit and it honors God and honors each other. And so Tuesday night, Maggie and Sam Keith are opening up their little townhome to host guys. So if you're literally, if you're brand new to our church and you want to learn, come. If you've been in our church for a while, come Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. I'll be there as well. We're going to talk about how to have a healthy dating culture. All right? Now, one more comment I want to say here is if you're, we're going through these stages and maybe you don't fall in. We can put the other slide back up. Let's say you're not a single, and I'm talking about singleness. So you're not married. I'm talking about marriage. I want to encourage you, if you don't fit in that particular category, not to check out, because here's what's so cool, is if I'm talking about a stage or a season that you're not in, it could be really helpful preparation for when you get to that stage, how do you do it well. And then also, specifically today, as I talk about singleness, if you're not single, you're married, you got some kiddos, this would be, come on, <laughs> we've got a few people excited about that, then this would be a great opportunity to learn some, some helpful tips on how can I impart, how can I invest in the younger generation and give them some wisdom as I have opportunities to have relationship with those that are in the previous season that I'm in right now. Does that make sense? Here's the overarching theme, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this in just a second here, but overarching scripture and passage that I'm thinking about, and it's my prayer for this series, is from Psalm 1, 1 through 3, verse 1 and 2 talks about 
how it's folks that don't walk in the way of the wicked, and also it's those who delight in the law of the Lord. It's a really sweet promise in verse 3. It says, those people are like a tree planted by streams of water that yield their fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that they do, they prosper. So my prayer is that through every season of life, these seasons, these stages that I'm going to be talking about the next few weeks, that we would bear fruit in whatever given season that we are in sovereignly by the Lord. We would bear a lot of good fruit. Now, take note, it's those that don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, and it's those that delight in the law or the instruction or in the word of the Lord. Yeah, I want us to be a church full of people that are like trees planted by streams of water that are bearing fruit in every season. You guys want that? Me too. I'm going to pray that over us, and then we'll jump in to today's message. So, Lord, we just thank you for this incredible promise of Psalm 1, 1 through 3. And, Lord, I pray that in this room we would be a people that don't walk in the path or the way of the wicked. But, Lord, we would be those that dwell on, meditate on, delight, and enjoy your word, your law, your instruction, your ways. And, Lord, as a result, would you make us a church full of people that are like those strong trees that are planted by streams of living water and that bear fruit in every single season of our life. Lord, we take on the belief that we can bear a lot of good fruit in every season of our life, no matter what it looks like. Where we are, what our relational status is, Lord, we can bear fruit. And so we thank you for that. Would you speak to us through your word this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys ready? All right, so today, healthy singleness. Where are my singles at? Which means if you're not married right now, where, where are you at? Come on, get a little more rowdy, all right? All right, I see you, I see you. Like, put your hands up again and then look around the room and just scan. Just, I'm just kidding, don't do that. Just see who, who's got their hands. Hey, I want to, first off, I want to honor you guys. I want to I place value on you. You right now are the largest percentage of our church. Over 50% of our church are in this category of those that are not married, don't have any kiddos. And I just want you to know, you are not an overlooked category. You are not an underappreciated category. You are extremely valuable in the eyes of God and extremely valuable in this church. Your passion for Jesus, your surrender to him, your ideas and your perspectives, your servant-heartedness. Like literally this morning, I walk in, and who's here setting up church? As several single people. It's ama- I mean, it's just amazing. There's a few married folks around right there, but just this, you are impacting our church more than you know. And we are so thankful for you. And I want to just from the get-go, I want to kind of blast some lies, just get them out of the water about this season of life, okay? I'm just going to go after a few things. Singleness does not mean not yet married. It means more than that. Singleness, now bear with me because I'm going to challenge the mindset, means you are complete in God. You are complete in in God. I'll read you a little bit of a quote from a, a, a pastor, a, a doctor named Tony Evans. He's in Dallas, well-respected guy. He says this. He says, when God created man, he started with a single person. Why? Because he wanted a single person to know that he could be complete in God until the Lord, according to his will, decided to bring marriage. Single does not mean unmarried in God's eyes. It means complete in him until the Lord decides to bring marriage. Now, and he says, Here, here's a problem. If you think that you can't be complete until marriage, here's what happens. You have two incomplete individuals coming together in what has created an incomplete marriage. And he says, no, no, no. 
God never wants a single person to feel or to be incomplete. We can live complete in God, fulfilling our God-ordained purpose until God, according to his sovereign will, sovereign plan, sovereign timing, brings marriage if he so decides. So you can, in this season, here's what you're learning, to be complete, satisfied in God. And I want you to know something. You know what's interesting? The two most influential people in the New Testament, anybody know who I'm thinking of? The two most influential people in the New Testament. Any ideas? Jesus and Paul. Great job. I heard both. They were both single their whole life. For, and for me, here's a personal testimony. It was when I was single that I got saved. It was when I was single that I was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. My life dramatically changed. It was when I was single when I got set free from the bondage of sexual sin. It was when I was single when I learned to, for Jesus to be my best friend. It was when I was single when I had some of the most significant moments and encounters with the Lord that marked me for the rest of my life. It was when I was single that the Lord began to speak to me about my primary life calling and purpose of doing ministry in a setting like this. It was when I was single when I had these moments. And I want to just put value and worth on this is a season to be treasured. This is a special season. And I don't want us to despise the season that the Lord has us in. This season is a gift. It's a blessing, and if you currently think otherwise, I would urge you to reconsider. And any because any time that we despise something that God calls good, we're missing it a little bit. Singleness is good. Marriage is also good. So today I'm going to talk up singleness so much so that you might be confused about what I think about my season of life. But then next week I'm going to talk up marriage so much so that you're going to be like, "Wait, what did you say last week?" And then when I get to parenting, I'm going to because all these seasons are good because they're from God. And we want to agree with what God thinks about these seasons in our life. Amen. But I also want to acknowledge that I realize that this season of singleness can be pretty difficult. Especially as you get older and especially if you have a strong desire to be married one day. I just want to first say, quick side note, it's, it's fine to desire to be married one day. That's not a wrong desire. You guys track with me. It's a good desire. But it just, just needs to have the right place in our hearts right place in our lives. And so if you're feeling like this season is hard, we're with you. As a church family, we're with you. We're with you in the pain. We're with you in the struggle. And we believe that Jesus can meet every single one of the needs of your heart and bring, bring health in this season. And here is kind of an overarching phrase that I'm going to be kind of breaking down this morning as, as, as what would be helpful, what are some helpful practicals, tips, and mindsets to thrive and be healthy in this season of singleness. And I want you to remember this. Because we're going to dive into a lot of biblical insight about how this applies. And it'll be on the screen. It's a phrase that I want you to remember so much so I'm going to put it on the screen. And here it is. How you choose to live, what you choose to believe, and who you choose to trust in this season of singleness will set a trajectory for the rest of your life. I'm going to say it again. How you choose to live, what you choose to believe, and who you choose to trust in this season of singleness will set a trajectory for the rest of your life. It'll set you in a direction of a life full of good fruit if you receive the commands, the instructions, the teachings of the Word of God. And that's what I want for you guys. That sound good? So look at your neighbor and say, how you living? Look at somebody and say, how you living? Go ahead, tell them. I look at somebody else and say, what are you believing? What are you believing there, Beth? What are you believing? And then ask yourself, who you trust in? Talk to yourself. Some of you did. Awesome. Way to go. Awesome. Now, hey, it's good to remember that God can redeem anything and anyone at any time that he so decides. 
If we open up our heart to him, no matter, let's say, we're not in this season anymore, we've made some mistakes, isn't it so great that God is merciful? Isn't it so great that he's so compassionate? He is a redeemer, and there is nothing that's too hard or too far or too, too whatever for him. He can redeem us in any season of our life. However, I just want to stress that it's definitely worth it to sow the right seeds in the right season so we see the right and the good, healthy fruit that we want to see for the trajectory of our life. Amen? Does that make sense? And that's what I want to set us up for this morning. Okay, so again, I'm talking about healthy singleness. If you're not single, that's okay. Listen to this. Learn this so you can invest in those others that are in this season of your life. And singles, listen up. This is just primarily for you. All right, here we go. So I'm going to break down this first one of how you choose to live. How you choose to live. So what do I mean by this? In this season, there will be certain habits formed, rhythms developed, values that are cultivated, convictions that begin to settle in, and a general life direction that begins to set, at least initially. And my hope and my encouragement to those of you in this season is that these things that are settling in are in alignment with God's word, God's will, God's plan. The Bible actually has, now listen, let me, let me pause here. I could give you a holistic teaching on what are some good habits to form in this kind of season of singleness. I could talk about, you know, how do you take care of your body? How do you manage your finances? How do you have healthy relationships? And all these things, they're great, but the Bible actually speaks to this question is how should a single live? You know that there is literal scripture that says mainly, primarily, this is what God wants for you in this season. And Lori talks about singles. Anybody know where that's found? What chapter of the Bible? Proverbs, close. First Corinthians. <laughs> so I'm going to, you can turn there if you want to. It'll also be on the screen. But we're going to look at First Corinthians chapter 7, such an interesting chapter. Several years ago, I had to give a message uh, on just all the book of first, uh, all the chapter of First Corinthians 7. There's some just funny stuff in there. And we're going to look at a, a little bit of it. But there's a little section that gives really clear direction and a primary theme that the Lord wants us to adopt in this season of singleness, and I don't want us to miss it here. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, you have to understand, uh, there's a lot going on in what Paul is talking to this Corinthian church about, and there's a lot of context that maybe is kind of beyond us. We don't fully understand, but there are some things that seem to be really clear principles that he doesn't want us to miss that apply throughout all generations, okay? So here we go. Uh, it's start, I'm going to start in verse 25. Now, here's a little tip on kind of reading books like this and reading the Bible, really, in general. Verse 25 starts with, now concerning the betrothed, or now concerning the virgins, or now concerning the singles. Anytime you see this phrase, now concerning blank, what Paul is usually doing is he's addressing a specific question that was asked him by this church. Okay, even in the very beginning of chapter 7, it says, now, the, verse 1, now concerning the matters about which you wrote. So he is addressing specific questions, and so I want us to not forget that because sometimes that's helpful in not maybe overemphasizing one little one-liner half-sentence thing that Paul says because he's, he's talking in a broader sense here. It just helps us understand the Bible. It doesn't negate these truths, but it just helps us know what, you know, just to ask the question, I wonder what's going on that made him say this. All right, so let's look at this, verse 25 through 28. It says, now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Now, what is he talking about? He's about to tell us in verse 27. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. 
And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Let's pause. <laughs> Let's pause for a second. First, let me acknowledge verse 26. He says, in view of the present distress, here's some advice. So we, all we know is that there was something presently going on that was stressful. What was it? There's a lot of people that have a lot of ideas. Who knows who's right? I don't know. The Lord. So something stressful was going on that made him give this specific advice, okay? And I just, I love this little one-liner at the end of 28. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. So if you're single, you're kind of like, oh, okay, I thought marriage was good. If you're married, you just kind of smile like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> okay? It's hard sometimes. Okay? So I don't want us to miss a little bit of just kind of seems humorous to me, this advice that Paul's giving, but he, he goes on to explain a little bit more. Skip down to verse 32. We'll read 32 to 35. He says, I want you to be free from anxiety. So here's like, here's, he's like saying, here's my main point. This is why I'm giving you this advice. I want you to be free from anxieties. Anybody here want to be free from anxieties in your life? Yes, me too. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but, here it is, to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Let me say that again. To promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So, singles, if you're wondering, what's the main purpose of this season that I'm in right now? What's the primary theme the Lord wants me to adopt? It's this, that you would be one who is secure in your undivided devotion to the Lord Jesus. Your undivided, what do I mean by that? Undivided devotion. You give him your full focus, all of your heart. All of your attention, all of your mind, loving, learning to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus being your very first love. If you're going to be really into something, it's primarily Jesus, where you literally become obsessed with him. That would be a great idea to adopt in this season of your life, where he is literally all you want. Now, what does that, what can that look like practically? There's a lot of different ways that can look like, but this is the invitation from the Lord in this season is, man, we learn how to be fully devoted undivided devotion given to him. Here's a couple things. I'm going to give you three practical things that it can look, ways it can look to to give the Lord your undivided devotion. One is spending time with God every single day when you're in his presence. Another one is continuing to grow in our personal holiness and purity and integrity before him. And then third is embracing a lifestyle of serving others, not living solely for ourselves, but learning to live in service to others. So let me break those down for a second. Living, undivi- undivi- living with undivided devotion to the Lord. That's how we choose to live. So how that can not look, time with God every single day. It was when I was a single that I learned to spend time with God. I learned to love his word. I didn't at first. Okay, the first time I started trying to read the Bible, <laughs> I read the Old Testament at night in my bed, which led to what? I fell asleep <laughs> every time, okay? I learned a few things and tried doing it in the morning and, and just reading through different parts of the Bible. But I learned to love his word. I learned to, like, have insight about it. I learned to hunger for it. I learned to get in his presence. I learned how to, I literally learned how to worship. 
didn't know how to worship. I, there was music going on, and like, it, all, it seems like most people think God's in the room, but uh, I mean, I think he's here. I mean, I just gave my life to him, so yeah, I think he's here. I learned how to worship I, by putting on worship music and trying to sing, <laughs> okay? Um, and my, my old youth pastor said, you know, Mitchell, you kind of had this like wind up in regards to worship. You started kind of like this. And then you went like this, and then you kind of went like this, and then, boom, you know, which just, we're not going for that. We're going for true, genuine worship, but it was just like I learned how to just express myself more freely in my love for him. And he called it the Welch, the Welch wind-up. Anyways, um, and another thing I want to comment on, on time with God, I just, in this season, like, go for extra time. Go, just, just get as much time as you can. Like, be so hungry for him that, like, it's what you, he's what you want to do on the weekend. And here's the deal. You're, you're still going to have time to hang out with friends. You're still going to have time to watch a movie. You're still going to have time to do this or do that. You're still going to have time to work. But, like, that extra time. I just remember in this, when I was a single, these moments in college in particular where I would, I would cultivate this discipline of spending time with God in the morning. But then I would have these breaks between classes. And sometimes I would take a nap. Well, often I would take a nap uh, in the middle of campus. And, uh, and sometimes I would get alone with God and spend another hour or so with him. And it was just like those moments of just his presence that marked me and changed me. And, and, and he deposited things in me that literally to this day I'm still seeing the fruit of it. In my life, in my marriage, in my children, in, in settings like this, I'm seeing the fruit of these moments where I just said, I want more of you, God. Would you be my first love? I still really like basketball. I still really like hanging out with my friends. I still really like naps. I still really like food. I still really like these things. But Jesus, would you be my obsession? Would you be my first love? Would you be what trumps it all by far? And there was moments on Friday nights when I could have gone out with friends, which is not bad, by the way. But there's times I just stayed back to listen to a sermon and to worship some more. And I had powerful moments with God in those moments, in those times. And here's the deal. Looking back, I don't regret any of those moments. I don't regret, I have no, zero regret for the times where I just got a little bit extra time in his presence. It was remarkable. And listen, I had, I had haters, I had op- opposition. People said, why are you being so spiritual, Mitchell? Why are you being so religious? I, where those people are today, I don't really know, but not living as fruitful of lives, I would say, as they could. And so despite what that means for your social status with others, it's something not to, it's nothing to regret. It's nothing to despise. Let's just get extra time with him. Now, secondly, how can undivided devotion look like? Just let's, let's just talk for a second about personal holiness and purity and integrity before the Lord. So here's the deal. All of us forever, until the Lord returns, we are going to continue to grow and be made more like Jesus. We're going to continue to be what the Bible calls sanctified or made holy. There's continually going to be things that God wants out of our life and other things he wants to put in our life that are good. You guys understand that? But in this season, there's, there's just this, you know, as a single, there's this opportunity, I would say, to give it a little bit more attention because, again, you're a little bit less divided with the things that you're thinking about. And so here's what I mean. Us learning to get free from unhealthy habits, from sin patterns, really does matter. It's a part of us learning to be complete and satisfied in God and living a healthy life. And if so, if there are areas in your life that you need help, you need breakthrough, then I would say diligently search it out. Do, do whatever it takes to get the help that you need. 
If that mean, that means ask for help, it means get prayer, it means read books on it, it means walk with someone closely to help you overcome whatever struggle that you are walking through. Because we don't want to carry unnecessary burdens or weights into other seasons of our life because it just only affects more and more people. And so before, there's no condemnation, there's so much grace, but he does want us to take it very seriously. And Lord, what is it? Search me. What is it, Lord, that you want out of my life? And Lord, I give it to you. Help me. And guess what? We are here to help each other. There are things that you are strong in that I am weak in, and I need that from you. There are things that Beth is strong in that you're weak in, and you need that from her. There are things that she needs from others. This is how the body of Christ works. We sharpen each other. We encourage each other. We help each other look more like Jesus. We're here for each other. So if you need help, reach out. And then third way that this undivided devotion can look is serving others. Everybody say serving others. Really just a broader way to say that is just embracing a life where it's not me first, but it's others first. This is a way to, to give our undivided devotion to the Lord because, you know, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then right after that, he says, love your neighbor as yourself. This is dual, like loving God and loving others. It's all part of the package of giving ourselves fully over to the Lord. And so let me make a few comments on, on, as a single, let me make comments on time, okay, time real quick. I want to acknowledge first that as a single, you don't have any more time than any other human being on this planet. All of us are given 24 hours in a day, yes? But let me just submit to you that the many of you are busy and you feel like the most busy in your life. I get that. I understand that. As a single, you don't have more time. Let me figure out how I want to say this. I wrote it down. You have more freedom to choose what you do with your time. Because a lot of a t- time as a married person or as a parent, it's already chosen that I have to spend, you know, 5.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. feeding my children, putting them to bed. Because if I'm not there, it's either all Beth, or if it's Beth's not there, it's all the children, and that would be a mess, okay? <laughs> so it's already kind of chosen for me, okay? And also, let me add, as a single, you generally a generalization. You generally have a little bit more energy than us old married folks with lots of kids, okay, with gray hair coming in my beard, okay? And so my encouragement is to use some of that, uh, not more time, but that more freedom to choose what you do with your time just to look for opportunities to serve others. And that could be anybody. So here's a couple examples. Like anytime someone's moving in, just, just say yes, even if it's for 30 minutes. Just squeeze it in and go help somebody move in a couple boxes. Great. That's awesome. That just saved them a little bit of time. Or, you know, there's not a single uh, parent in this room that probably wouldn't appreciate just a little bit of adult conversation with just their spouse without it being interrupted by their children. So you can go offer to watch kids for a couple hours and then go do something else. These are just a couple examples of what it could look like. Just serving others by meet, having coffee, having lunch with somebody, investing in their life, pouring into them. Is this making sense? Just a few ideas of what to do with your time. I remember one of the most helpful examples of kind of the difference of seasons is when I think it was the first time in our marriage or while we had kiddos that Beth went out of town for like two nights. I had to stay back for work or something. And she, I, I got home from one thing, and I had like, it was like uh, around lunchtime or after, early afternoon. And so like I had several hours where I could choose what I wanted to do, and no one was around. I was like sitting on the sofa, and I was like, Lord, I want to do this. But I can do whatever I want to do right now. What is this feeling? <laughs> it's just strange. I think I had this before. And I literally, I like, I did a couple things that I needed to do, um, but I literally texted a family in our church. I was like, hey, listen, this sounds weird, but 
let me wash your kids. Let me just do anything to serve you, to bless you, because I don't have my, I can have like eight hours straight where I can choose to do whatever I want. Let me just bless you guys, whatever. They kind of didn't respond, but I was just like eager to serve because I was like, oh, this, ah, wow, I don't, I haven't felt this in a long time. And so just looking for ways to do that, it's just, it's hard to understand and grasp now, but looking back on a previous season, I just, my personal life, I wish I did that a few more times, and, um, and it's just such a blessing um, to others. So anyways, how do we, in summary, how do we choose to live in this season? Here's a broad statement, with undivided devotion to the Lord. That can look like spending time with God every day, continuing to grow in personal holiness, and integrity and purity, and learning to serve others. Let's go on to the next part. What you choose to believe. What you choose to believe. So what do I mean by this? Okay, there will be certain mindsets that are formed, narratives that begin, and thoughts that begin to repeat themselves over and over again, kind of like a soundtrack in your mind in this season of singleness. And you just want to make sure, like to make diligently sure that those mindsets, narratives, and repeating thoughts are drenched in truth and not in lies. So here's what's clear in the Bible. The devil is a liar. In fact, he's the father of lies. He loves telling us lies. He loves trying to get us to believe lies. He loves trying to make us believe the lies so much that we actually think they're true. He hates us, and through lying to us, he's trying to destroy us. But I've got really great news. You guys ready for some great news? Jesus is more powerful than the devil. <laughs> he is stronger than the enemy. In fact, 1 John 3, 8 literally says, the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is the way, the truth. Everybody say the truth and the life. And in John 8, 31 and 32, he says, if you abide in my word, you'll be my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There is power in his truth. And in this season, these thoughts that go through our mind, there's a lot of thoughts, thousands, if not millions of thoughts that just go through our mind. We want to make sure those thoughts are lined up with truth because it leads to freedom. And I want to just take a second, and I want to expose a couple common lies that seem to come up during this season. And, I, and I'm not an expert, but for whatever reason, the Lord has allowed me in my life to minister to lots of singles. Hundreds, if not thousands, that have kind of come through under me as their pastor, and I have just noticed a few things. And here's three common lies. They're going to be general lies, but what, what happens in this season is that the devil just throws lies about our circumstances about ourselves, and about God to us. So here's a slide that kind of breaks it down a little bit. Here's one common lie. This one's about our circumstances. Once I have blank, then it will all be better. Once I have this specific job, once I am married, once I have this thing, once this thing changes, something about our circumstances that will be the key that sends breakthrough to my life being better. I just want you to know that that is actually a lie. Second thing is more lie about ourselves. If I was just blank, then it would all be better. If I was just, just a little smarter, if I was just a little taller, if I just didn't do this in my past, or I just didn't, that's also a lie. And last one here about God. When God finally blank, then it will all be better. When God finally opens that door, when God finally answers my prayer, when God decides that he's going to do exactly what I want him to do, exactly when I want him to do it, then my life will be better. And that's also a lie. Let me speak some truth to replace these lies. You guys ready? Because this is, we need this. I need this. This is not just for singles. Let's, let's as a church family, let's, let's listen to these truths and let's see if we can believe them 
And then and as his truth enters in, these lies can just get out and lose their power. Here's the deal. You and I, all of us, we are made in the image of God, which means just the way that God made you, you are immeasurably valuable. You have immeasurable worth over your life because you're made by God exactly the way that he made you. You are created on purpose and for a specific purpose. You are not an accident. You are purposefully created by a purposeful and intentional God that loves you. And you, being you, in the generation that God wants you to be in, in the time that God wants you to be in, is the best decision that he could have made about you. Let me say that again. His decision to put you in the world in 2021 with the way that he created you, with your personality and your height and the way you think is on purpose, and it's the best idea he could have had about you. The other option is he made a mistake, but he didn't make a mistake. He's perfect. Here's a couple truths about, well, here's another truth about you and your circumstances. You are exactly where God wants you to be, and you have everything you need in him to thrive in this season of your life. Here's a couple truths about God. He is perfect. He is completely trustworthy. He is completely wise. He is smarter smarter than us. (laughs) He's good to us. Every intention in the bottom of his heart is good, and it's pure, and it's right for your life and for my life. He is fully to be trustworthy. Even when he does things or allows things that don't make sense to us, I know it's hard, but in the midst of the pain, we can land that he is good and he's worth our trust. Amen? Our God, he's really good. This is why he's so worth following. That's why we're singing the songs we sing, because he's really that good. Now, as you sift through and as we sift through the lies, which honestly takes time, but I would encourage us to do it diligently, and we reject the lies and replace it with truth, here's kind of two places I would love for us to land. Think about it as kind of like here's your solid rock. Obviously, the rock is the Lord, but you're like you got two feet. You stand on two things, and here, here they are. In this season, this would be great landing places as you sift through all these lies, as you land in a place of contentment and thankfulness. Contentment and thankfulness. Philippians 4.11, Paul says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am, I am in to be content. Paul also says, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So I know there's difficulties, I know it's hard sometimes, and I know there's circumstances we wouldn't want, but as we sift through all the pressure and all the lie, let's land, let's, let's contend and help each other land in these places of contentment and thankfulness. And remember, Paul wrote those two verses when he was single. So he had, had, he had tapped into something from the Lord there. So all of us, as we reject these things, we're going to land in these places, and we're believing that what we believe in this season will actually affect us best for our life. Let's go to this last one, what we choose or who we choose to trust. Everybody say, who you choose to trust. What do you got? Who you choose to trust. So here's kind of what I mean by this. I mean, I'm not just talking about, like, individual people, okay? I am talking about, like, where in general is your trust going to lean? What types of people are you going to trust? What resources are you going to trust? What voices are you going to trust? You know, just because someone has a lot of followers on Instagram does not necessarily mean they're a trustworthy voice. Let me say a couple other things. Just because you grew up with a specific person from elementary to now doesn't necessarily mean they're a great person to trust. Who do, so therefore, who do we trust? Just because someone's famous, does that mean that we trust? Who do we trust? And in general, 
our ultimate answer is we trust God. But how do we trust God? Let me give you two ideas on how we can trust him. We trust his word, and then we trust his people. We trust his word, and we trust his people. Another way to say his people is the church, the people of God. So how do, here's what will happen. There's two common hurdles that come up in hindering us from trusting his word and trusting his people. One hurdle is learning to not just trust ourselves. Here's what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Some of you guys will know this passage. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. You guys familiar with that passage there? It's just, I learned it one of the first verses when I got saved. But it just, it just gets better and better the more I live life, the more I know I cannot just lean on my own understanding. Now, here's what I don't mean by not trusting yourself. I don't mean just embrace the lifestyle of self-doubt and confusion and insecurity. That's not what I mean. I simply mean to make sure that your life is open to others and open to God, and you have at least an ounce of consideration that maybe others might have a better idea than you and that God's word has better ideas than us. Is this making sense? Just having a place in our life that's open. Now, another way that um, the Bible calls this is uh, listening to wise counsel. Let me show you a couple proverbs here because when I'm talking about trusting the people of God, it's the Bible says trust wise counsel. Here's a couple promises with wise counselors. It'll be on the screen. Proverbs 20, 18 says plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. How many of you guys would like your plans to be established? Yes? Anybody? Awesome, me too. Okay, Proverbs 24, verse 6 says, For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and, and in abundance of counselors there is victory. How many of you guys want to live a life of victory? Woo, me too. So, and then last one, Proverbs eleven fourteen, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in the abundance of counselors there is safety. How many of you guys want to live a life of safety in the world? Yeah? Me too. So all those things, victory, safety, being able to have your plans established, being able to wage war, go, uh, go uh, pursue something with a victory, all is in the context of us receiving the wise counsel from those above us. So, but here's a good question. Who counts as wise counsel? You ready? Just give me a couple, couple comments on this real quick, okay? So one is people that actually have experience and a good track record with what you need counsel about. Here's a great example. If you're trying to date someone, don't just ask all of your single roommates for their amazing advice, even though they haven't been able to keep a relationship longer than two months. Okay, so just don't only ask them. They're your friends. You grew up with them. They're awesome. They understand you, but they have no experience in what they're talking about. And so maybe just don't only ask them. I was so thankful that Beth and I had two married couples that we got advice from right at the very beginning of our relationship, and we learned a lot, and it was like a place of safety. Just like this, the scriptures say, we sought wise counsel. It brought safety and wisdom to our relationship. Another example of who counts as wise counsel, a people that love the word of God, that read it and live by it. People, uh, another one is people that aren't critical and aren't complainers in life. Another one is folks that are bearing good fruit in their personal life, fruit of the spirit, you just evident in them, and they're bearing good fruit around them. These are examples of folks that can count as wise counsel. Now let me close it out kind of with one more thing here with this category of who can we trust, because it's another pretty big hurdle. And I've been, I've been talking about it little and little the last few weeks and months, but I just want to talk about it again, so bear with me here. And here's the hurdle of who we can trust, especially as I say the phrase, we trust God's word and we trust God's people, the church. 
what if I have this hurdle in my mind of this phrase, the church has hurt me? Okay, everybody say, the church has hurt me. Say it out loud. Say, the church has hurt me. This is not like a negative declaration. What you just said is true because you know why? The church is made up of people. And what do people do? We hurt each other sometimes. Now, let me say, I know it's hard. I know it hurts. I know that it's painful, and it's actually pretty discouraging and confusing at times. And the, the reason I know that when you get hurt by the church is because I have been hurt by the church. Actually, pretty badly, actually. And I've shared bits and pieces of my story before, so ask me later if you don't know that story. But I also want you to say, I want to say something else that will probably mess with some of your minds. You ready? I as a pastor and a leader in a church, have hurt people. I'm pretty confident every time it was unintentional. <laughs> I don't let the Lord judge me, but I'm pretty sure I wasn't planning to hurt someone when they got hurt by me. And here's what I want you to understand. We all are going to experience pain from one another in the church. We are all going to have disappointments. We're all going to have uh, unmet expectations. We're all going to have conflict. But the kicker is not whether or not we will, but how are we going to respond when there's conflict? How are we going to respond when we hurt each other? How am I going to respond when you hurt me? How are you going to respond when I hurt you? Here's a couple dilemmas. Um, one, we shut ourselves off and kind of harden our heart when there, we experience pain and we don't trust each other because of past hurt and pain. Or we make up an unrealistic ideal that if we're really the church, we should never hurt each other. Here's the healthier expectation. The church is made up of humans, and we're going to hurt each other. In fact, get this. I've heard it said, and I agree with this statement. If we're not experiencing conflict sometimes, we are not doing church very well. Because in order to actually have genuine conflict, you have to be close. If we um, minimize church down to coming to one service and then I don't see you for seven more days, you're not close enough to me to hurt me that bad. Does that make sense? But if we're rubbing shoulders, we're living life together, we're seeing each other consistently, we're getting in the weeds of each other's lives, there's going to be times where we'd like say something that's offensive or say something that we shouldn't have said. Or I'm, it's really late. Some of you have been in my house when it's really late at night. And once I get past 10 p.m., I don't have very strong filter with my mouth. And I, uh, not that I'm cursing, I'm just like saying what I really think, but sometimes I shouldn't say what I really think sometimes. <laughs> and you've been in those settings. But we must learn to respond well. And when we do, here's the beauty of this. When we respond well with, like, literally half the commands of the Bible can't be lived out unless you're in close relationship with other believers and have conflict. Let me say that again. Half, almost half the commands of the New Testament, like learning to forgive one another, bear with one another, humility, meekness, going low, bearing with one another, being patient. That is with relationships with people that you're close with and are having some friction. You guys understand? When we do this well in a spirit of humility, it brings strength and it brings health to the body of Christ. And I would say is very needed right now. Have you noticed in the last year or so or two, there's been a lot of division? I think the Lord literally sovereignly over this whole generation in the church, especially in America, is highlighting this theme. How are we going to respond when we offend each other? Are we going to go low and repent for our mistakes and forgive? 
or are we going to rear up and divide? Let's not do that, church. Does that sound good? Let's not do that. The result of embracing these things is healthy relationships, healthy church culture. And again, it's, it's all tied to who, who are we trusting? Trusting God by trusting his word and by trusting his people. And as we do that, we're going to land in a really healthy, healthy place. So, Ben, go ahead and come on up. I'm going to close it out here. And I want to just share kind of one last story to kind of close it out. And just something the Lord really spoke to me when I went through something pretty difficult in my season of singleness. And it was, <laughs> it was about a breakup, okay? I'm going to tell you a little breakup story. Believe it or not, I've been broken up with more than once in my life. But hey, here I am. I'm okay. I'm okay. So here's the simple story. I was dating a girl sophomore year of college and, you know, got, got a little hint a week before that something's not right. And then we had the call and I was like, something's really not right. And in short, she broke up with me. Um, but here is what I want you guys to know what happened to me. This was a marking moment in my life, one of those marking moments as a single that really set me in the right trajectory for my life. I, I quickly cried, <laughs> and then I quickly talked to God. And as I was talking with the Lord and just expressing my pain to him and asking him for help because I was like, I was locked in. I thought this was the woman I was going to marry. I thought for sure it was going to line up, and so it was very difficult. And if you've ever experienced something like that, I just want you to know, yeah, yes, I know. I've, I've experienced that pain. But in that moment, as I'm praying and talking to God and giving him my pain, he brings to mind a scripture from Ecclesiastes, everybody's favorite book of the Bible, you know, Ecclesiastes. Uh, 3.11, I think we have that verse up there. Just that first part is really what stuck out to me. He has made everything beautiful in its time. The rest is amazing as well, but in that moment, you know, we just have the first part. He makes everything beautiful in its time. And in this season of singleness, there's going to be things that are hard, that don't look beautiful, that don't look pretty. There's going to be times where you don't know who to trust. There's going to be times where you don't know what to believe. There's going to be times when you just don't know exactly how, how should I live. But if we're coming to the Lord and we're faithful to bring our heart before him, even in the midst of the confusion, the pain, the discouragement, the ups and downs of life, if we're faithful, guess what he does? He makes it beautiful in his perfect time. The Lord spoke that to me. I've been too, I kind of, about it for supper afterwards and then two years about two years later I met Beth and it's really less about marriage but it's more about God's faithfulness I had forgotten about it for a year and a half and then when I started dating Beth he literally reminded me of that verse he said Mitchell this is what I meant at first I interpreted it a different way when I get back together with this girl and, and this relationship is going to be beautiful and that's not really what he meant and so all I want to say is no matter where you're at right now in this season singles with you, he's faithful, and he's going to make whatever going on in your heart, he's going to make it beautiful in his perfect timing. And all we need to do is just lean in and trust in him. Lean in and trust in each other as well. We'll go for each other. So let's do this. I want us to, um, I'm going to pray over us, and I want us just to sit just for a minute or two before the band starts playing a song. And I want, um, Mary, if you can put that, there you go, put that phrase up there again on the screen. And just want you to look at this. Again, think about it. See if there's anything particular for your life that comes to mind that you just need to talk to God about. And then the band's going to lead us in one more song to close. But let me just pray for us. I just want us to kind of sit and think about this and just see if the Lord brings anything to mind that he wants to this morning. So, Lord, we just thank you for this morning and what you're doing in our hearts. And I just pray you bring to any of our minds just anything that we need to just talk to you about. 
anything that we need to hear from you this morning. Lord, we thank you for this season that we've